Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers. Welcome back to my podcast. And today I'm going to be talking about families and addictions. So we have a predisposition toward addiction if our parents were addicted and we've grown up in a an addictive, polluted type of environment. Um, anytime we grow up in a polluted environment physically, that makes us more susceptible to disease. And the same thing happens with addicted families. We, we sort of inherit or are born into these polluted ideas and values and beliefs and behaviors, and we just pick them up as part of what feels normal to us. We watch firsthand as we grow up this sort of addictive logic, a way of dealing with life and a way of dealing with people and problems that create all sorts of codependencies. Uh, addicts often raise children who swing to one end or the other of the spectrum. They either become addicts themselves, maybe not, uh, maybe instead of alcohol, it's drugs, uh, or instead of drugs, it's gambling, or they swing to the other end and will have nothing at all to do with that abusive behavior. They remain firmly against um, drinking or that sort of thing. So children develop differently. And as they develop, uh, because growing up is developmental, they develop different ways of coping. And then they carry those coping mechanisms well into adulthood. So some characteristics of families of addiction. Family members depend on illusion. So the addict depends on the illusion that if I take this substance or do this behavior, I can escape this pain by acting out in this way. But also the codependent family members have an illusion. Their illusion is if the addict stops the behavior, then the pain stops. Not true. Um, and so we often see a generational, cyclical sort of thing happening with addictions and codependencies and uh, toxic relationships, really. So uh, addictive parents often are constantly shifting within the family, shifting positions. Uh, on the one hand, they might be loving and concerned and... Uh, and nurturing, and then they shift from being that sort of parent to becoming the irresponsible child themselves. And when they shift, the child in the family shifts. They shift from being the child receiving the nurture to having to become uh, parentified themselves. So the child changes with the parent in order to stay connected to the family and the child may act like a child and they shift and they're responsible. And these shifts just create so much pain with the, in the family, so much chaos and so much internal confusion. And it teaches the child really to adopt their own addictive logic. Within the, uh, uh, an addictive family, there is a lot of emotional insecurity and instability. Uh, the family is so uh, affected by these shifts and by the uncertainty, the child is left feeling very unsafe. 
maybe uh, on the one hand they have this almost suffocating love and then on the other hand they feel this cloud of despair from all the neglect and every family member feels a little lost at best a little lost and unsure because of this changing instability right there's not this emotional health between relationships between the mother and the father the mother and the children the father and the children and between each other as as siblings and everyone sort of keeps hoping hoping with their own brand of hope but it's not based in reality so addiction really to the child is a form of abuse because it handicaps the children greatly in their development. They learn that the needs of the addicted parent come before their own needs, the needs of the child, and the child wonders, you know, what, what really is normal? What does a normal family look like? And when I look at other families and compare, this doesn't seem right. And so they don't know what normal functioning is and they feel very different. They may feel uh, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of confusion, and they crave that stability and normalcy. Children depend on stability. Um, and so this can lead children to develop their own addictive relationships, especially beginning in those teen years. They may attempt to avoid becoming like their parent, but those addictive tendencies are still prevalent and they can be expressed in another way. Maybe a teenage girl develops an eating disorder instead of alcoholism. Uh, maybe the child takes too much uh, responsibility for the emotional welfare of another and becomes addicted as a caretaker in that way. Another characteristic of families in addiction is a constant sort of sometimes low level, sometimes higher level dread, a, a sense of anxiety, a sense of doom, the inconsistency in the family, that sense of unsafe and uh, unsure really leads to the sense of dread. You know, will I be noticed? Will I be cared for? Will my needs be met? And there's always a sense of uncertainty and then that underlying dread. And it actually may worsen when things are going well because when it's going well, oh, I still know something bad's gonna happen. Dad will come home drunk or there won't be enough money because mom spent it on drugs or something like that. And uh, dread develops in a crisis-centered family, and addicted families are very crisis-centered, and then dread becomes the everyday reality. Sometimes it's just kind of a low-lying cloud right there. And the child learns that good times aren't to be trusted because they're gonna be followed by difficult times and some kind of emotional danger. So a lot of times the child learns to develop a type of vigilance which is also characteristic of, of trauma, and it is traumatic growing up in a family where there's addiction. Okay, what about coping? Well, family members look for distractions to cope. They look for ways to numb. They may even start their own addictive journey, which may be different than their parents, but they feel so powerless, a child feels so powerless to change their environment and to know what to do. It's why they sometimes take too much responsibility for it. So they might run to television or as a teenager to sex or to some kind of fantasy or gaming or something like that. 
and um, their coping mechanisms are really echoing uh, the, the parent's addictive values and uh, it certainly causes the child to develop in all sorts of unhealthy ways. Okay, what about the effects of addictive logic? Well, parents often will explain away their behavior as if it were nothing. They minimize it, they deny it, they rationalize it. And when they do that, the child feels a sort of craziness. They've been gaslit. Uh, because they watch their parents' destructive behavior. They know it's wrong, and yet they feel crazy when the parents act as if, oh, this is normal and it wasn't that big a deal. And it sort of sends this message of uncertainty to the child's heart. You're not discerning right. You're, you Don't trust your own instincts. Don't trust what, what you see and know. And so the child is met with these lies that pass as sort of reasonable logic and reasonable answers, you know? Why is mom yelling at us? Oh, she's just having a bad day. No, she's not, she's drunk, you know? And they don't get the truth. And so then they learn to sort of, uh, you know, adopt some kind of rationalization so they'll feel some, some kind of sanity, you know? Uh, and then they may tell their friends something like, well, you know, if dad just got a different job, things, things would be okay in the family. And, and children are taught not to betray family secrets, and it teaches them to lie. And they need the safety of family, so they often will lie. Um, and they'll even, parents will even pit the children against one another. Uh, the healthy part of the child knows that this behavior is wrong and crazy and chaotic and unhealthy, but out of loyalty, they, they learn to lie. And this is a quote. To survive, children learn to deny their healthy responses that tell them they're in danger. And they have to keep increasing the dishonest coping skills because the insanity and illness keep progressing inside them, inside the child. And this is one of the horrible results of addiction in families. Okay. I want to talk about four family systems that really lay a foundation for addiction. The first one is, uh, well, they're abusive, neglectful, shaming, and inconsistent. So what does it look like growing up in an abusive family? Well, if we're talking about addiction in particular, addiction is a form of abuse uh, because it handicaps children in their development. There isn't a robust nurturing of the child and discipline of the child. The needs of the addict, the addicted parent, come before the needs of the child, and that should never be. So we have two categories. We have intentional abuse, and we have unintentional. Intentional abuse looks like physical and verbal abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Unintentional can just be the like the fallouts from an event such as growing up in an addictive family. Um, it can also look like poverty. It can look like the early death uh, of uh, a parent, the sickness of a parent, and so on. But the impact of that abuse is it's sending a message to the child, you don't really count, your needs aren't really important, and you really can't count on consistency in this family. And so where a child needs pr protection and nurture and to be given dignity, that's all pushed aside because of the needs of the parents come first. And this teaches the child they will be treated 
as an object, which is what addicts do. Addicts treat others as objects, as their supply, if you will. And that's what happens in abusive homes. And it denies a child's humanity, it denies their dignity, it de denies their uh, development, and it teaches them they're an object to be controlled and manipulated and used. So this has a major impact on the development of the self in the child as they grow up and usually end up with low self-esteem, sometimes low impulse control because addiction certainly is an impulse control disorder. It, uh, the child learns uh, how to be, really how to be reactive to each situation rather than responsive. And um, they learn to sort of wait for things to happen because things are gonna happen and then they react to them rather than feel empowered and take the initiative. They also learn to mistrust because we first learn trust uh, at, at our mother's breast. Uh, we learn trust in families and we start learning that very young, whether we can trust or not trust. And abusive uh, people are very dangerous and they inflict pain and children learn not to trust because the, uh, the environment isn't safe. And so if the parents aren't trustworthy, who, who can the child ever learn to trust? And they carry that into adulthood as well. And then often when they leave home, they unconsciously look for people who share the same worldview. Okay, the second type of, fa second type of family is the neglectful family. Neglect is the most subtle form of abuse. Uh, and neglected ones often don't see themselves as an abuse victim. Oh, I wasn't abused, I was just neglected. Well, that's abuse. It leaves the child emotionally underdeveloped from this lack of nurture and good conversation and knowing that their needs can be um, discussed and met and they're never really sure, you know, am I important and what can I count on? Am I valuable? And um, they're so neglected that they're often very susceptible to being seduced by others at some level. And that seduction is often found in the addictive process because children and teens are always looking for something to attach to. So if their uh, friend group is doing drugs, it's gonna be an easy fall for them to get into that. And many people who are raised neglected fall into a kind of passivity. They just learn to be passive and let others make decisions for them. They, they can feel so dead inside and they're looking for something, somebody and something to help them feel alive. Um, and oh, during addictions, you can feel so alive because addiction is very emotionally based. I'm looking for a high. I'm looking for a mood change. I'm looking for something to get me out of this pain I'm in and to elevate this mood. So if I'm feeling empty, something I'm addicted to can help me do that, except for not, not for very long. So a, a children from addictive families are often very much followers and they seek out excitement. And um, so, um, there's also in these families often sort of a no talk rule. We, you know, we're loyal to the family and we don't talk about these things outside. And so the children learn to just not express their feelings, to numb their grief, to numb their pain, and they may use addiction to do that. The third kind of family is a shaming family. 
and in a shaming family, you're just never, you're never enough. You're never good enough. Uh, you can make five, I, five A's and one B and you should have made straight A's, right? You get disapproving looks, you get put downs, you maybe get days of silence for your misbehavior. You might get teased a lot. You know, constant teasing really borders on emotional abuse. And again, uh, this is the theme throughout, the child doesn't feel safe and it sets them up um, to be full of unacknowledged rage inside, but also a deep sadness. And that rage can come out any, any number of ways, but it certainly teaches the child not to be too vulnerable because if they're too vulnerable, they're, that leaves them open to attack, right? And um, it also teaches the child not to be caught in the middle because it's like standing in a, you know, in the middle of a room full of enemies. They're going to come at you from both sides. So you want to back up against the wall so you can at least see what's coming at you. And family members often feel this kind of tension and uh, they just don't, don't trust each other. They don't trust anyone. And that, that means they, they often develop their own secret life. I'm going to keep this secret. I'm going to stay hidden. It's the only safe place. It's the only safe alternative. And addicts in general have a mistrust of people. For one thing, they have a secret side that they want to uh, keep safe. So in this shaming, um, it is abusive, but sometimes it's sort of like an acceptable form of abuse in our culture and in our families. But we really do undermine uh, undermine a person's sense of self when we're doing it. The person who is doing the shaming rarely takes responsibility for their behavior and for what they've done. Um, and often people who've been shamed in childhood end up feeling like, you know, in adulthood, if you really knew me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like me. I have to stay hidden. So I'm developing a lifestyle uh, of, of staying hidden so you won't know where I'm bad. And this leaves kids uh, to become good candidates for addiction, if you will, because they have this deep anger and they have this deep pain and they don't trust people. So they're looking for something else to comfort them, something else to elevate their mood. And the last kind of family is an inconsistent family, which might not sound so bad, but it really is. Because when we're deprived of consistency, it's like trying to play marbles on, on a rolling deck of a ship. It's just not going to happen. The rules, the behaviors, the view of the world just keep changing. Oh, if, I thought if I did this, I'd please mother, but no, she's still not pleased. Last time she was pleased, I'm confused. So there's nothing really for the child to attach to and be nurtured by. And so they don't, again, they don't trust and that sabotages their development of relationships and they feel kind of unsure what what are you know what are the relationship rules anyway shoot they keep changing you know um and if they end up in a group of addicts they'll very likely become an addict themselves because because out of their loneliness and because they really do crave intimacy and contact but while at the same time mistrusting intimacy and contact so um inconsistent parents often will tell the child in some way, oh, this is normal behavior, and it's not, it's craziness. And so again, the child learns not to believe their own intuitions and their own experiences, or uh, the parent will force them to choose. 
you know, the child chooses against themselves and for the parent in order to stay in the family and to survive and to get a modicum of their needs met anyway. And, um, but later on, the child becomes an adult and they just learn to overlook all these inconsistencies and often fall into addictions. So I know that was a lot. Uh, and today has been more educational. It, you may not be left feeling with a lot of hope, but I want you to know that next time I'm gonna talk more about addiction and, and how we overcome it and hopefully leave you with a lot of hope. So I hope you'll join me then. And thanks so much for listening this time.